Hi there, I'm Andrea Koppel, and it's time for Coffee, the podcast where you get to hear firsthand what the jobs and careers that interest you the most are really like. Hey there, Java junkies. Welcome back to another Espresso Shots episode of T4C. If you're interested in breaking into social entrepreneurship, which is basically a business that's driven to have a social impact in its work, then this is the episode for you. Because my next guest founded her social enterprise when she was only 24 years old and a few years out of college. And almost a decade later, it is bigger and better than ever before. But before I introduce you to Teresa Vandermeer, I want to make sure you've signed up for the Java Junkies Journal. That's Time for Coffee's newsletter that features career advice, insights, and inspiration that you won't find anywhere else. Just head over to the Time for Coffee website at time, the number four, coffee.org, and the sign-up box is right there. Now my chai-loving, let me try that again. Now my chai-loving, aspiring social entrepreneurs, please grab your mug or your glass and take a chug of your favorite caffeinated brew because it's time for another caffeinated career conversation. And my guest is Teresa Vandermeer, a social entrepreneur who believes that business can be a vehicle for positive social and environmental change. Merging her corporate experience at ad giants like Google and Publicis and her research on female economic empowerment, Teresa founded Work Shelter in 2011. She is also a passionate advocate for female empowerment and access to education, as well as environmental justice. Teresa splits her time between Chicago and New Delhi. She loves poetry and cuddling her cat, Tuna, who I guess <laughs> is not with her right now in Costa Rica. Teresa, welcome to Time for Coffee. Thank you. Thank Are you, you happy to be here. Half and ready to go? Absolutely. Never been readier than this moment. Excellent. Excellent. Well, I want to let our podcast listeners know that we are live streaming this Espresso Shots interview with Teresa. And I want to welcome, is it Vabev? Am I pronouncing your name correctly? Anyway, so excited that Vabev is joining us from India. Put it in the chat where you are joining us from, and we'll make sure to take your questions in between each episode. So again, we're getting into social entrepreneurship. Teresa, the first espresso shot is what entry-level jobs are available to young people who want to break into social entrepreneurship? I'm having this feeling that I'm like prepared for a quiz, you know, and it's like, which question are you going to get? Yeah. So, you know, I want to talk about one of my, my young employees and how she entered our company. So she actually reached out to me for an informational interview. She had, she was working in Chicago and had a marketing, a marketing role. And then that company closed. And so she knew she was interested in ethical fashion, but she didn't know where to begin. And so she was talking to people about this interest and they connected her to me. And so she came to visit me at the co-working space that I was working at in Chicago. 
And we just did an hour conversation where she had really good questions and she seemed really prepared. And she asked me this question, how can I get into the space? And I said, you know what? You just want to do work like five hours a week part-time for us. You know, I'll just give you, give you a chance to, to learn a little bit more about it. And she was like, yeah, definitely. So we started off with five hours. We bumped it up to 20. And now she is a full-time part of our team, having calls with the India team every single day. So, you know, to me, it was just her showing that initiative, showing that interest and making the ask. And especially folks in the, the social entrepreneurship, like ethical business, B Corp space, individuals who tend to be in this space tend to have an interest in, in making the world a better person. Part of, you know, and, and so for me, if I could give her that opportunity, I was achieving, you know, what my life, life's mission, which is really to help as many people as I can. So shout out to Abby, who, who's a key member of our team today. Awesome. How can, I mean, that's a great example of initiative. And she was in the Chicago area. Is that mm -hmm. right? Yep. Yep. How can our young viewers and our young listeners find social entrepreneurial ventures that are out there sure. so that they might be able to offer their services either part-time or even full-time, depending upon their availability. Absolutely. A great place for that are directories. So for example, B Corp, and for those of you who are not familiar with that term, it stands for a benefit corporation. So these are companies that have gone through a process of being tested to ensure that they're achieving higher labor, environmental, ethical standards than other companies. And so they've got a directory. You can just go to their site and, and see companies that are registered that way. The same for the fair trade world. And so, you know, these days, SEO, Google, Google is our, is our best friend when we want to discover new companies. But, you know, we're very lucky to be able to sometimes be just a click away from sending that, from finding those companies and sending an inquiry. Now, we're going to be getting into your career trajectory in our main time for coffee interview and for a podcast listeners, check out show notes to see if Teresa's main time for coffee interview has already dropped. But just one bit here that I think is super relevant is while you were still in college at the University of Michigan, you ended up going to India yeah, and volunteering. I guess yeah. you had some kind of an internship. How did you sure. find that opportunity and what was it, Teresa? Sure. So I put out the word in Michigan that I wanted to go to India. And I, through a personal connection, met this woman who had started the first Indian restaurant in all of Michigan. And, and she was really excited to, to see my excitement. And she facilitated that first trip that I actually took to Delhi. And at that time, she introduced me to different tailoring and embroidery centers and traveled with me. Oh, and wow. then that same trip, I learned about a nonprofit that works with artisan groups all over India. And I reached out to them to see if I could get an internship. And you know, it, it, it wasn't glamorous. It wasn't glamorous. I think I was cleaning out files, <laughs> you know, but I got exposure to the work that they were doing. And I did go to visit the artisan groups that were actually in these different villages across India. And so that's really how it got started for me. I think it's so important that you mentioned the non-glamorous part because yes. 
even if you're in a foreign country and it's amazing and you feel inspired, you feel just like this is where you need to be, you may be doing something like responding to emails. You may be stuck in an office. Sure. You may be doing administrative work, but this is also part of the job. That's part of what these companies have to do. They have administrative tasks that need to get done. Hey, I just want to say that my job's not glamorous. I'm still doing those administrative tasks a decade, you know, over a decade later. So, you know, that's, that's part of the game sometimes. There you go. So, Teresa, what is a useful hard and soft skill that mm-hmm. you look for in the young people that you hire at Work Shelter? Mm-hmm. What's nice is when there's layered hard skills. So it's like someone might know graphic design, but they're also you know, comfortable with, with like website stuff, just sort of like simple things where if we need something done, we don't have to go, you know, get, get a contractor, get a freelancer, these like little skills, like being able to update an Excel sheet or to be like a good writer. These are, these are skills that you can definitely acquire, you know, with just maybe even like a weekend of taking tutorials, but they really add value. Because when we're in the work week and we're super busy and we just need this one little thing done, you know, oh, we notice there's a spelling issue or, oh, we just need a little flyer for this. It helps move things quickly. In addition to that, oh, so the question was the hard skills and soft skills. The soft skills are particularly important to us because we work in India. And that communication piece, you often hear communication as a soft skill. But for us, it goes a little bit deeper. Because even though you might have two individuals who are speaking English, that cultural understanding, you know, that is super critical to understand. So for example, if we ask a question to our team in India and say, hey, can you do this by Monday? And they say, maybe, or we'll try. That means there's a 0% chance this is happening. We would be very lucky for this to happen. So to me, I really value someone who like, maybe doesn't get it the first time, but they see, okay, there's like a deeper level of communication that's happening here. And I need to pay attention to that. I love that point. And in fact, because my background is Asia, a different part of Asia, mm-hmm. sure. the, more of the Chinese language side. Sure. And I will also say in some Asian countries and cultures, they don't want to tell you no. Exactly. So you're kind of reading between the lines there and it's knowing how to tease out if somebody is open to an idea or if they're politely trying to tell you that not going to happen. Exactly. And they, and oftentimes they want to help, right? So if you can ask those questions that are like, you know, what do you mean by this? Or what would you recommend? Do you have any ideas? Those, those open exploratory questions really, really help with that, that understanding. Great point. Thank you for adding that. What about someone's major, Teresa? Is it a deciding factor for them to get into social entrepreneurship if they haven't studied it, if they haven't studied business, if they haven't studied fill-in-the-blank major? Yeah. Yeah, I believe that there are so many paths to being an entrepreneur. And so to be a social entrepreneur, you're mission driven, but you're using the the structure of business to achieve your, your mission goals. And so 
you know, for me, my undergraduate degree does really map onto what I'm doing in terms of like interest. So I studied economics, Asia, and gender. It's like all of that comes together. It, it's like weird. I think I'm the only, like one of the few people I know, like, you know, I've got a friend who's a doctor, she studied medicine, but sort of like beyond that, I'm one of the few people I know where what I said, really does map onto what I do. But I didn't study business at all. And I remember having this feeling when I was in college and I took a couple economics classes and those were prerequisites for folks in the business world or who, who really did want a business degree. I remember feeling that like, you know, the folks in this class, their values don't match mine. And so I'm in the wrong place. I should not be in this business. I shouldn't go into the business program because I don't share the values that they have. And I don't care about making money in the same way. I care about achieving, you know, achieving these goals of, of helping these women and doing good in the world. But after I started a business, I realized it would be helpful to know some things about business. So, you know, I just like to, 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 to sort of bring some like awareness to that of, you know, maybe just, just to think that like, don't rule a, an educational opportunity out because, you know, because you're sort of assuming you don't want to have that kind of life. It's like, I sometimes, you know, I had to learn how to do cash on my own and how to set up legal structures and, and all of these like complexities that really slowed down our progress at Work Shelter and took a lot of years, you know, we're, we're still around and we're bigger than ever and growing. And that's a beautiful thing. But I know a lot of social entrepreneurs who don't come with that background, get bogged down by the overhead really early. And then they end up, you know, closing down or they don't make it far that far. That makes sense. So, so if you could take a class or two, I'm going to be asking you about a grad school in a moment and whether that's important. But if any of our listeners or viewers are in college right now, what classes would you tell them? Definitely take this because it will help you if you become a social entrepreneur. Yeah, I feel like these sound so lame, but like accounting, accounting, legal structure, information about law and legal structures. I mean, I really want to take a class on tax liability. <laughs> you know, back to the you know, now I'm convincing everybody out of being a social entrepreneur and not by not making it sound very, very cool. But these are the things that really, really help you set a solid foundation so you can build your dream on top of it. They need to be done. You can't turn a blind eye. There's no, you can't just be like, I don't like math. I don't like law. You know, there's too much legalese. It's like, that's part of really making sure that you have that firm foundation to grow upon. Definitely. And I'll also add, and I'm guessing you just decided not to go this route, but there are social entrepreneurs, there are other entrepreneurs for that matter, who recognize where their strengths are and they may partner with somebody who has other qualities, other skill sets that they don't have to complement mm -hmm. them. Sure. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And, you know, and there are folks along the way who have supported me. You know, I have so many mentors that I'm incredibly grateful for mentors, friends, community members, you know, it, it does take a village. Beautiful. What about a grad school degree, Teresa? Do you think it is necessary to have a grad school degree less so for somebody who's just starting out, maybe working for another social enterprise? 
maybe even if they wanted to start their own social enterprise, you clearly do not have a grad school degree. Sure. But if so, what do you think are the most useful ones to get? Sure. You know, I was at a juncture point where I had gone through the entire process of applying to grad school programs. So I was looking to get my MBA. I was working at the private sector, the corporate world. And I also had already started work shelter at that point. But the numbers for work shelter didn't make sense. I knew there was going to be no way that I would be able to support myself through working on work shelter full time. And so I did see an MBA as a possible bridge to make that jump happen, where I would be able to supercharge what work shelter was doing by like, you know, learning a lot, connecting with people, just like, you know, getting more of that foundational information about about business. But what and so I got all the way to the point where I was invited to interview at NYU. And that's sort of like the last step. But then I received a job offer that would send me to to India for work. And so I ended up going and this is when I ran an offshore team in a city south of Delhi. So there was an an offshore team there that was doing Google Analytics and like ad reporting and things like that. And so I had the India experience and I had the ad experience. And I took that position because I, you know, I needed to be able to support myself. And so I was able to earn a salary and go to India every single quarter, but also work on work shelter and spend my nights and weekends at our center at the same time. Amazing. Amazing. So in fact, you did what one of my guests has called OTJ, which is on the job training. You, you got your on the job degree. Exactly. Your, and whenever yeah. we make a mistake, I, I always say, you know, this is the cost of our education. Great point. Great point. So Teresa, what kind of life experiences, and by that, I mean, experiences that we have outside the classroom, maybe doing volunteer work, whether it's overseas or in our own communities, whether it's getting involved in clubs, extracurriculars, being on a sports team, do you think are most useful to have for somebody who wants to become a social entrepreneur? You know, I think all of the above. I think showing up, helping, volunteering, you know, asking, asking to, asking, finding a way to help. I think that when you really get into the doing and you don't make it too difficult for someone to help and educate you, you know, part of, part of the learning process is, you know, learning happens, learning happens before you know, before you know what to do, right? That, that is what learning is. And so I think that any opportunity to learn is, is wonderful. Excellent. So what is the best part of being the founder and CEO of Work Shelter, Teresa? Sure. The best part for me is working with my team and going to India and actually seeing the change in these women's lives. And so we see women who are struggling with and making difficult decisions on whether to eat a meal or send their daughters to school. And after they start working with us, they gain weight. And so to witness their, to be part of them, to be loved and supported by them. Sometimes when I'm having a hard day because I'm stressed out about something and I'm at our center in India, the women actually encourage me. So to be in community community with them and actually see the impact is, you know, is at the end of the day what I'm here for. Love it. Love it. So the flip side, 
as you mentioned at the beginning of our interview, you're still doing parts of the work that needs to get done at Work Shelter, the parts that suck as the CEO (laughs) and founder, right? So what is the part of your current job that sucks the most, Teresa? Sure. So the hardest part is the constraint of resources. So we're mostly bootstrapped, which means that we make a little bit of money. We buy one more sewing machine. We can do a little bit more work. We've been doing that for years. And you can imagine that in a time of a global pandemic and also in a politically tumultuous time. So for example, there was, we didn't used to have duties on imported products from India. And very quickly, they were rolled out by the Trump administration and they increased our costs on duties between 6 and 17%. And so wow. we tried to pass those on to our clients and you know, one of our biggest clients didn't want to pay for it. And so they went to try to find a cheaper production center. And so, you know, that's really hard because we rely on income and keep the, you know, to keep everyone paid about purchase fabric. So that's the most challenging, challenging part. I do not take an income from work shelter. That's not sustainable for me for the long term. It's a sacrifice I'm continuing to make in order to put the growth of the organization first. But I think to put it more succinctly, it's like, you know, I think that a lot of folks who come up with ideas, you know, I had the idea for Work Shelter when I was in my early 20s. I had a vision for it to be in countries across the world. And we were going to have a center that did this and a center that did that. And so the gap between the dream, you know, it's like, I'm very proud of what we've done. And it is, it is a real dream come true. This is, this is for sure. But at the same time, you know, I have another vision, which is to have a large center with solar panels and to have a place where the women can stay and additional services. And so, you know, of course, that gap between what is and what could be is what keeps us motivated. But sometimes for me, that that can be the hard part is really the resource crunch that that makes the progress slower than than I would like. Absolutely. So how are you able to sustain things when you're not getting paid, when you're not getting a salary? Yeah. I mean, like a lot of entrepreneurs, I've taken on debt. So I take, took on a bunch of credit card debt. And that is really how I was able to support myself. Now, in the pandemic, I was able to defer my mortgage. So it's really these like individual sacrifices. I liquidated both of my retirement accounts in order to pay work shelters bills. And, you know, it's, it's tough. And I, I know that it, it's not for everybody. For me, I'm a risk tolerant person. I believe in my ability at the end of the day, if I need to go get a job to support myself, because I haven't been able to make sure work, work shelter fiscally productive, it's sort of like, I know that that's a safety net. And so I've given really every, everything I could to see, to see this organization come to life. And organizations need resources. It's like you need to hire people. You need to purchase tables. You need machine. I mean, for us, we need machines, right? You need to purchase fire extinguishers, and and all of these little things go up into creating, you know, this space where women can go to to safely work every day. So yeah, part of the game. I love what you said there, Teresa, about how you are a risk tolerant person. Because there are some people who would say, I'm not a risk taker. Sure. But I think you're Mm -hmm. right. It's about what is your threshold for risk. 
And what level of passion do you have? Because to do pretty much anything, any career really well, or to excel in your career, you have to have drive. You have to have, you have to be a self-starter, but you also have to have grit. Sure. And that's having that high risk threshold yeah. takes a lot of grit. Totally, totally. And it, it doesn't always feel good. You know, I would consider myself a pretty adventurous person. You know, I learned how to scuba dive when I was 16. I went bungee jumping and skydiving when I was 18. You know, I really like, I love these things. But I, those, things, those were optional. The, the risk and the struggles from work shelter, it's like I decided to start an organization. But so many of the issues and the challenges that came up in the next 10 years really came out of nowhere and didn't really feel like a choice. You know, for example, the duties that I talked about the Trump administration imparting, you know, it's like I, I didn't have any, any say over that. But all of a sudden, I had, to, I had to deal with it. And I have the choice, right, to keep going on and to, you know, to find the resources or to say this is, this is too much. And for me, there's just no end to, or at least, you know, I haven't, I haven't found the end of continuing to, to put more into this. Well, fortunately, we are doing the interview on the eve of the inauguration of a new president. So hopefully those tariffs will get lifted and you'll be able to bring back some of those other customers and bring in new customers. Absolutely. Three final espresso, Risa. What is the best career advice you've ever gotten? Oh my gosh, the best career advice I've ever gotten. You know, what's funny is that I get a lot of career advice that's like, you should just quit company and do this other thing. But I also get get folks who, like my, my father started his company in our backyard. So he worked full time and he started a tool and die shop in the back of our, in the back of our home in rural Michigan. And so what my dad always says to me is, if it was easy, everyone would do it. And so it's accepting from the ground up that this is that this is tough work. And and also, you know, for me, I take a little bit of pride in that, that it, it is hard and I'm still here. And, you know, I see that as as part of my identity, that ability to push through. But yeah, if it, if it was easy, everybody would do it. Oh, so that understand is, that the difficulty is part of it. That's beautiful. It really is. Mm-hmm. And it fuels you, I'm sure. So here's the fun question. What movies, if any, or Netflix, Amazon, Hulu shows, or books, Teresa, do you think accurately depict social entrepreneurship? Sure. So, you know, I do have a recommendation for my industry specifically. It's called The True Cost, The True Cost of Fashion. And it talks about the challenges that we're facing in, in the fashion industry, but also the larger manufacturing production issues and the reality that every product that we just or use uses resources and it, and that has a cost. And so to me that that film really brings together the brings together the challenges. It doesn't give all the answers and I think that that's the role of the social entrepreneur is to actually find the solution. Amazing. Okay, we will put the cost, the true cost of fashion the, a link to that book in our show notes. Final espresso shot. What would Java junkies or chai drinkers be surprised to learn 
about your profession, Teresa? Surprised to know about this profession. Mm. What would they be surprised to know? That it's really not one industry, that it's anything. And it could be any business. It could be, you know, it could be construction. It could be chemical usage. It could be hospitals or dermatology. It could be, you know, for me, it's fashion. But really, I would say social entrepreneurship is a lens. And that's the lens that we take to making the world a better place through business. And that that means that social enterprise, social entrepreneurship is really accessible to everyone. Amazing. Amazing. And for the record, Time for Coffee, the little thing I have up here in the above my head, is a social enterprise. Great. Okay. What I started three years ago, almost exactly three years ago, is about the social good, about helping college students to turn their degrees into careers they love. So I completely agree with you. Teresa, I want to thank you so much for making time for coffee today with me and the T4C community all the way from Costa Rica. Thank you. I have put up your wet for those who are listening to this podcast rather than watching it. Tell us where they can find you, where they can learn more about Work Shelter. Absolutely. Our website is workshelter.co, but you can absolutely find us on Instagram and Facebook with our handle, handle Work Shelter. And I'm also on Instagram as the activist entrepreneur as well, if you'd like to connect there. Incredible. And you're also taking donations. Workshelter.co is your business and your nonprofit is workshelter.org. Is that right? That's correct. Awesome. Well, Teresa, have a great rest of your trip in Costa Rica. And thank you again for making time for us in the middle of a warehouse. Absolutely. It was wonderful being here. Wonderful being here. Thanks so much for listening to Time for Coffee, where the professionals in the jobs that most interest you always have time to grab coffee 24-7, no matter where you live. I have one quick favor to ask you. Remember to rate, review, and subscribe to Time for Coffee. Thanks so much.